theme of, of Palm Sunday, uh, I want to look at a particular episode that just precedes uh, the Palm Sunday passage, and I want to talk about extravagant devotion, that our acts of devotion um, to the Lord, they can either be metered out very carefully, or they can be poured out extravagantly. Uh, that word extravagant, it's an adjective, and it describes the way you go about doing something. And we hear about, you know, extravagant government spending or someone dressing extravagantly. And, and companies make extravagant claims about their products, and movies are set in extravagant locations. What does that mean? The, the dictionary definition of extravagant is it's exceeding the limits of reason or necessity. Lacking in moderation or restraint in using resources. Extravagance um, is simply not about allowing common sense and conventional wisdom to dictate decision-making. Many times it's used in a negative way, uh, but not always. Um, it's about choosing to go over the top and be intentionally excessive. And, and, and there are times when it is wrong but there's also times when it's appropriate, when, when extravagance is appropriate, because it can be a way of, of punctuating a special moment by, you know, we do that like by taking out the fine china or by putting on our, our Sunday best. You know, next Sunday on Easter, people tend to dress up in ways that are a little bit out of the ordinary, maybe a little extravagant. Um, it's a way of showing someone how much they matter to us by being extravagant with them. And so the question is, what does it look like to express our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ in an extravagant way? Would, would extravagant be a word that would apply to my expressions of love and gratitude to him? Because if there's ever a setting where extravagance is an appropriate response, an appropriate re expression I think that would be it, right? It would be in our walk with our Lord. Instead of metering it out carefully, push aside that restraint, that reservation, and pour it out lavishly. And so this morning, we're going to look at one particular episode in extravagance. If you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter 12. And uh, like I said before, this passage takes place just prior to Palm Sunday. It actually kind of paves the way for what Palm Sunday uh, is all about. Just before Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem, this young lady named Mary models for us what extravagant devotion looks like. So let's take a look at her story. And as we do that, I want to challenge you as I challenge myself to consider what does extravagant devotion look like for us today as well? So let's read the passage together. Here's what it says. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. All right, so, so, so that's uh, the story. Um, that's the episode of extravagance. And we see in here uh, where it comes from and, and what it looks like. And so I want to look at where extravagance comes from. Is because the thing about this is that Mary was not coerced into it, right? She was compelled to this. And in reality, no one can, can ever be coerced into be extravagant. Um, by definition, it always comes uh, voluntarily, from, from an inside compulsion. And that was the case with Mary as well. And maybe to get a sense of what might have compelled her to this extraordinary act, it might help to, to back up a few pages uh, because we see the Jesus that she encountered and the impact that he made on her life up to this point. So the first time we meet Mary... Um, Jesus is the guest at her house and her sister's house. Uh, her name's Martha as well. You might be familiar with the story. Mary spent time sitting at Jesus' feet. In fact, every time we meet Mary, every time we read about her, she's always sitting at Jesus' feet. Um, and there's something about that. When, when Jesus came to her house and, and, and she sat at his feet, that was a way uh, of her saying that she was tuned in, that, that she was listening, that, that along with his disciples who were right there beside her, she was there listening and learning from him. So she, she took the posture of a student and she made space to listen to Jesus speak and teach and pour his words of life into hers. So her sister Mary, uh, if you know the story, she opted instead of sitting and listening, she, she, she chose to, to run around and serve. She was putting everything in place, making sure everything was just right for this special guest. And, and Martha even got a little bit frustrated with her sister because she wanted Mary to help her out. And she actually tried to enlist Jesus to, to give her a little nudge. But Jesus says, no, Mary's made the right choice. She pushed aside all the demands and she made listening to Jesus her number one priority. See, those words that she heard, uh, they wouldn't be heard anywhere else. They weren't going to come from anyone else's mouths. His words are the words of life. And his teachings shaped her life in significant ways. And so here's the idea is that extravagant devotion is really an, a, an appropriate response to spending time sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and learning, opening up his word and listening to him teach and letting him shape our lives. It may seem like it's over the top to someone on the outside, but, but to those of us who are students, who are followers of Jesus, his words mean everything. And as we sit under his teaching, as we listen, as we learn from our Lord through the words of Scripture, he does. He speaks into the deepest part of our hearts in a way that nothing and no one else can. And we come to understand that he knows what he's talking about, that the author of life is fully qualified to lead our lives in a way that no one else can. 
And so extravagance is really an outcome of sitting at his feet as students of Scripture, listening and learning from him. But there's a second episode that leads up to this one when Mary also experienced Jesus' power in her most desperate time of need. Um, This happened just a couple of chapters before this one when her brother Lazarus died. And Jesus comes four days later and she runs out and meets Jesus in the street and she again collapses at his feet and she's overwhelmed with sorrow and with grief. And after Jesus cried with her, she watched him do something that she simply could not deny and could not dismiss. Something that that simply didn't fit into any of the categories that she had in place in her life. He raised her brother Lazarus back to life. It's, it's kind of like the monumental miracle of Jesus' earthly ministry. And, and Jesus demonstrated, made it clear to Mary and everyone that I have, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the power over the grave. He didn't just have it, he is it. And, and, and Mary experienced that ministering presence of Jesus at her most desperate moment. And her brother, who was dead, is raised back to life. She got her brother back. So if something like that happens, the question is, what's the appropriate way to say thank you for something like that? How do you, how do you express your gratitude? How much is something like that worth? See, extravagance is kind of the only response that that seems appropriate. When when God shows his power in our lives in undeniable ways, gratitude just starts breaking open like a river, and it can't be held back, and extravagance is is the way it flows out. Maybe you've experienced that. It, It happened to Mary right at her point of pain. And, and so often in our lives as well, that's where we encounter his power at our, at our points of pain. And, and Jesus is God breaking into human history, and he is still breaking into human lives like yours and like mine. And he's showing up and, and doing what we could never do on our own. Sometimes it happens in very public ways. Other times it happens in very personal, private ways. But, but when you experience an answered prayer, when you see that open door, when something inexplainable happens, when a a peace floods over your heart in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, that's, that's, that's something that you can't just chalk up to coincidence. And extravagance is the only response that that makes sense, that seems appropriate. So, so Mary had these moments of history. She had built up this track record of, of in seeing Jesus at work in her life. She listened to him. She met him in a desperate moment. And, and that's what compelled this extravagant response. Anything else just seemed like it wasn't going to work. It wouldn't do. And so Mary goes for it. And, and her response is uh, three things. It's unlimited, it's unconditioned, and it's unashamed. Uh, so let's look at the unlimited part. So, so Mary, Mary carries this one-pound container of a very rare and a very expensive perfume into the room. Now, the most expensive perfume on the market today, um, as far as I know, 
is a, a brand called Clive Christian Number no. 1. Never smelt it. Don't want to go near it because a 1.6 ounce bottle sells for $865 at Saks. So uh, I'm not touching that one. What Mary brought went by a different name, probably not as good a uh, catchy name for marketing purposes because nard doesn't sound like something you want to put on you. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's an aromatic oil, very very rare one. It's made from a, a plant found in northern parts of India. And it was so expensive uh, that what she was holding in, in her hands was at least one year's worth of wages. An incredible amount. Uh, now, this is John's account of the story. Mark's account also tells us that it was in an alabaster box. He makes the point that it was in an alabaster box. That implies that most likely, this was a family heirloom. This was something that had been passed on um, from generation to generation. And, and it was most, by far, uh, the most expensive item she would have owned. And it would have served as a family safety nut. You know? So she had this just in case everything else fell apart. And she didn't have the means of providing for herself. She always had that, that alabaster box to go to, and she knew that she could cash that in and provide for herself. Um, so when Mary brings this box out, and she brings it in the room to Jesus, everyone would have seen it. And, and here's what they would have expected for this uh, scene to go down. She would, they would have expected that she would take the jar out and pour a drop of the most precious possession that she had, on Jesus. That, that would have been respectable. That would have been conventional. In the, that, that would have been entirely appropriate. But one thing you find about this character, Mary, is that she is one of the most unconventional characters that you meet in all of Scripture because instead of dapping, you know, just a drip on Jesus, she breaks the box wide open and the entire container pours out. It says the whole house is filled with the aroma. Now, that's something no one expected. And she doesn't exactly get a five-star review from the bystanders who are watching this go down. They are not very pleased with what they're seeing. Uh, John, in this, in this account, focuses on Judas's response. Um, when Mark tells the story, he clarifies that all the disciples kind of shared the same sentiment they're incredulous. They're like, what are you doing? You know, Judas speaks for all the disciples when he comments that this is just a ridiculous waste of money. This just incredible waste. That kind of extravagance has, has no place in the paradigms that everyone else is operating in. Right? It's, it's not practical. It's excessive. And they say, don't you realize how better spent that could be. We could have sold that nard, used the funds to feed the poor. And I don't know about you, but there's a part of me when I hear the story and I understand the implications of what's going on that I got to be honest with you. That's my response as well. It seems a little bit over the top. And, 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 and that voice of prudence, that voice of practicality starts starts speaking up in my heart, saying, don't do that, not that much. But once again, uh, everyone else got it wrong, 
And once again, Mary got it right. Because Jesus commends her extravagance. So she's expressing something. What she's expressing is, Jesus, my devotion to you is unlimited. I'm not portioning it out, she's saying. I'm not holding it back in measured amounts. I'm not going to be conditioned by how much it's going to cost me. I'm giving you the best that I have, and I'm giving it all to you. Mary's extravagance shows that she has found in her Savior, in this Jesus, that's someone who's infinitely worth more than anything else she could ever possess. Her hope, her security, her future are all found in him. See, extravagance means treasuring Jesus more than all the other treasures that we have. It's unlimited, and her expression was also unconditional. Uh, The passage clarifies that that she poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and and that is about as glamorous as it sounds, okay? Um, The region of the feet is an area that most of us prefer to avoid even on our own bodies. Am I right? You know, um, let alone someone else's. You know, we have a whole vocabulary for like, you know, that area and, and what happens in the feet region, right? And we, we talk about funk, you know, foot funk. We don't even know what it is. We don't want to know what it is. We're just going to call it funk. Um, there's all kinds of stuff down there. That's where Mary chose to pour that perfume out. It shows an incredible humility on her part. See, back in, back in the first century in the day, um, if someone was unable to pay back a debt, if they owed something, they couldn't pay it back, they would become a servant to the person they owed that money to. But, but Jewish law set limits on what you could make that servant perform, and it clarifies that the foot was a taboo area even for servants to handle. Washing someone's feet, even untying their sandals, was just way too demeaning, and so that was off limits. And so here's Mary. She is pouring out this perfume on Jesus' feet, and she's saying this, that even servants have rights, but I'm giving mine up for you. I am yours without conditions. There's nothing I'm unwilling to do for you. There's, there's no place I'm unwilling to go for you. There's no task that's too demeaning to me. There's nothing that's, that's beneath me, and there's nothing you can't ask of me. That's extravagance. It's, it's unconditional. It's, it's releasing control of my life to him. Instead of saying, okay, Jesus, here is how I will serve you. I'm prepared to serve you in this way. If you can fulfill my request for how I would serve you, then I will be happy to do that. It's saying, I'm, I'm making myself fully available to be used by you. Whatever you ask, I will do it without reservation. Finally, this act of extravagance is unlimited. It's unconditional and it's unashamed. Mary shows us that when she lets her hair down. It doesn't sound like a big deal to us today, but make no mistake, in that day, it was nothing less than a scandalous thing to do in public. Even for a married woman, uh, to let her hair down in public was grounds for divorce in, in the first century because it was a way of expressing intimacy and openness. It was something that was only appropriate in private settings, in the presence of your own family members. 
But here's the thing, restraint and, and reservation, those qualities just don't go together with extravagance. extravagance. So, so Mary lets her hair down. The idea is that what others may think of her doesn't compare to what Jesus means to her. See, Jesus to Mary wasn't just someone she obeyed. She wasn't, he wasn't just someone that she listened to or she respected. He was, he was someone she loved, someone she cherished. And extravagance takes us from that place of, of duty. Here's what I ought to do to that place of delight. I can't help myself. I have to do this. This place of intimacy with our Savior. And, you know, we can, we can very easily just be content to worship him from, from afar in, in reserved ways, in, in dignified ways, in ways that we are sure that no one would want to get the wrong idea about us because that matters to us. The way that people see us, the way that they view us, But until we break through to that place, to that place of delight, where we can say, I love you, Jesus. There's there's still ground to cover. There's still room to grow in. And, and, And for Mary, worship wasn't just this empty ritual. It was this opportunity for her to express her affection to someone she loved. Anything less than extravagant, it just didn't seem appropriate. It didn't then... And it doesn't now, because here's the key, and here's what Mary understood, is that extravagance was the hallmark of Jesus' work, of his ministry, of everything that he had come to do. There was nothing conventional about Jesus. There was nothing conventional about the mission that he was on. He left his throne in heaven. He came to earth in the form of a man walked this broken planet filled with broken people, lived the perfect life that you and I have never lived. And he went to the cross where he deserved the throne. He went to the cross where he did everything that had to be done to win our redemption, to make us right with God, to pay the price that we owed for our sin and our rebellion. There's nothing conventional about that. There's nothing he wasn't willing to do. He did it all for us extravagantly. And so in light of his extravagance for us, a like response is nothing more really than just the appropriate response. And so what Mary shows us as she models this episode of extravagance is She challenges us to go for it. Go for it. And be prepared as we do that you likely will get criticized along the way, right? You likely will be misunderstood. Uh, You know, the bystanders will be there. Hey, why didn't you sell that? Why didn't you give the money to the poor? And of course, this passage clarifies he didn't really care about the poor. He just couldn't handle that there was a level of devotion that he wasn't willing to go to. Mary's extravagance is calling him out. It's exposing him because she went to a place that he just never would. And Jesus here, he isn't making any kind of statement that the, the poor aren't important, 
right? The passage assumes that the poor are always of great importance. And so for that to be superseded, for him to take priority above the poor means that there is something unique about who he is. There's something unique about this moment that's taking place there. And what that is, he says, Mary has done this to prepare me for burial. That I'm going to the cross. That the next steps that I walk on that Palm Sunday into Jerusalem, where everyone thinks I'm going to the throne, they want to crown me as king, I'm not going there. I'm going to a hill outside of Jerusalem. And they're going to nail me to a cross. They're going to beat my face bloody. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to stab me with a spear. And I'm going to die. You know, no one else got that. The disciples were still at this point not tuned into what Jesus had come to do. Mary, somehow she got it. She knew I don't know if it was intentional or it was just this sovereign providence, but uh, she understood that, that he was going to die, that he was going to pour out his blood in the most extravagant act in the history of humanity. So, you know, there's lids on our expressions of devotion to, to our Lord, and lids are, are meant to come off. And, and this lid of, what do we call it, practicality, uh, frugality, convention, common sense. You know, that's a lid. Sometimes it's appropriate for it to be there, but sometimes it needs to come off. Once those lids come off, extravagance flows out, and it's good. And there are episodes of extravagance yet to be written. There are, there are episodes being written today as we take our best and we pour it out at the feet of our Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this.